Welcome to episode two of our podcast, Conversations with the Industry. I'm Elise Levy, and I am joined by Larry Elevitz and Holly Henry of the Investing Advice Roundtable. Today, we feel very fortunate to have Annie Myers of Feldmeyer Financial. Thank you, Annie, for taking time out of your busy schedule to chat with us today. Thank you for having me. So we all had the pleasure of meeting Annie through LPL's Advisor Institute which is LPL's in-house training program for new advisors. We, were all, we all trained and discussed prospecting tactics for over a year virtually before finally being able to meet each other in person this last summer in San Diego. Since then, Annie has been busy making waves in her community, and we can't wait to hear her unique perspective on what it takes to get, this, to get started in this industry. Before we just dive in with our questions for Annie, Larry, would you mind giving us an introduction for Annie? Sure, no problem. Annie is a certified financial planner with Feldmeyer Financial in Lawrence, Kansas. She graduated from the University of Kansas with a bachelor's in social welfare and then continued her education with a master's of business administration in international business and HR from Baker University. She enjoys working with clients to reach their financial goals through long-term planning. Her niche market is the University of Kansas faculty and staff. Annie has been in the industry for over seven years. Prior to this role, she managed sales agents in the insurance and travel industry. Outside of the office, she serves as the chair of major gifts committee of her local Boys and Girls Club. She is a trustee on the board of the Lawrence Schools Foundation as the PTO treasurer of her two boys elementary school. So Annie, outside of this bio, is there anything that you want to tell us about yourselves? But specifically, I want to know about your boys. How old are they and what are their names? Sure. Thanks for asking. So I have two boys. They are seven and nine. My seven-year-old's name is Joey and my nine-year-old's name is Robbie. And they go to an elementary school right across the street from our house. So we've got a pretty cool setup. They get a walk to school. I can stand in the driveway and watch them walk on over to school. So um, we have a great neighborhood. That's nice. I have a 15 minute drive to take my kids to school. So I would love to be able to show them out the door and wave as they make it across. It takes longer for me to drive than it does to walk. So it's actually a really (laughs) sweet deal. Well, good, good. So what did you do before you decided to become a financial advisor? Sure. So I used to work in the travel and insurance industry. I was a regional district regional manager for AAA. I started here in my hometown of Lawrence, Kansas, and um, I managed the local office here and office over in Topeka. And I did that for a while and then had the opportunity to move out to Seattle, Washington. And uh, it was a great transition for me. Left my hometown and got to explore the metropolitan area of Seattle and um, kind of figure out what it means to live in a large city. There were pros and cons for sure. Uh, it was certainly more expensive than the Midwest, but it was also an amazing opportunity to um, get to know different cultures and get to manage a um, vast majority of different types of people and personalities. So I've always been in the sales industry. I really enjoy building relationships, which is why I got my degree in social welfare. Um, I think that it's important to really establish long-term loyal relationships with people and um, no matter what you're doing in whatever industry you're in. So uh, I did that for a while and then decided that the travel industry is a difficult industry to be in. And I've always enjoyed money. I've always enjoyed finance. 
And I started my career at Bank of America as a teller. And I still say to this day that it was one of my favorite jobs. Uh, I enjoyed working with money and working with people. And it really got my uh, foot wet as far as what that felt like. So I um, continued to grow my career through finance. I started working for a financial advisor here in my hometown in Lawrence. And um, she had been in the industry for about 30 years and was by far one of the most um, effective at helping regular people build wealth. And she got me into understanding the University of Kansas benefit system. Um, It's really rewarding to see people who are just everyday average people making moderate incomes and um, having moderate salaries and be able to build multi-generational wealth for their families. It's, um, It's huge. So she taught me how to do that. And I've been doing that for a while now. And I love it. So how long would you say that you've been in the finance industry from like when you were teller to, to in the position that you are now? For seven years. Okay. Okay. And and in the midst of this, what um, caused you to become a financial advisor? What inspired you to go down this path? Um, I think that the main thing was, is that, you know, even as a bank teller, you can tell how money Money grows and makes money if you invest it correctly, but it can be very scary. How do you do it correctly? How do you not lose everything that you have? What's the right place to put your money? Where do you put your money? What type of account do you put your money in? And um, I always wanted to learn more about that. Um, you know, what's better than having your money make money? So um, I just kind of started going down the path of getting my licensure and, um, you know, first getting my seven and getting the 66. And then understanding how all of that works. And um, so it was just important to me to really make sure that uh, I understood how that works so that I could help other people. So as you're now a financial advisor, do you feel yourself like teaching your boys at such a young age, like things that maybe you weren't taught? Absolutely. So we started talking about it's funny because... um, about three or four months ago, I decided to start introducing them to stocks and explain to them what that means and explain to them what a stock is and how they can have ownership. So I, you know, talked to each of them about what their favorite thing is. So my youngest favorite thing is baseball. So we tried to figure out how we could invest in baseball. So, you know, long story short, we got to the point where we realized that Apple had a piece of baseball of of MLB. And so um, he bought his first share of Apple stock. So Fortunately, he picked a good one or else I was going to be a little concerned if he picked something that wasn't <laughs> going to make him some money. Uh, but he picked Apple. So we bought a, a share of Apple stock. He has a UTMA account. So we bought it in there. And then my older son, he loves Minecraft. So figuring out who owns Minecraft and the parent company and so forth, it all boiled down to Microsoft. So I thought, oh, another good one. Thank goodness. So he picked Microsoft. So we bought a share of Microsoft. So they're learning, of course, right now is an interesting time for them to learn about how stocks go up and down. So um, right now they, they don't really have full buy-in as the market's rather volatile, but uh, hopefully in the long run, they'll understand and see how it grows. Oh, I love that. So my um, six-year-old boy, he loves Minecraft. So maybe I need to like take this and talk to him about that too. But let me tell you, like I got the Monopoly game out the other day and and it's just supposed to be a fun game. But instead I'm teaching them like leveraging and (laughs) 
like my kids hated it. They're like, this is, this is not what it's supposed to be. Taking the fun out of it, mom. Teach them how to count back money. And, and so my daughter, who's nine, was like, we're not playing this with you again. <laughs> but I feel like it's so I did the same thing. that they need to know. And I started talking inflation and how the market's crazy. And anyways. <laughs> So I'm going to play Monopoly too. And it's funny because like my oldest son at first, he wanted to be the banker, but he wasn't counting the money out correctly. And he had it all disorganized. And I was like, so you really need to put the money back like this. And it needs to be organized. It needs to be in the right tray. And he's like, why don't you just be the banker? I'm like, that's a great idea. <laughs> it's like the, the post teller you was coming out and yeah, no, I get it. I get it. So how has it been working as a woman and, and even especially a mom in a mostly male dominated field? Do you feel like you have a unique perspective that you can offer to your clients? I love it actually, because I think that it gives me an advantage to be able to make connections with people. Um, a lot of my clients are women. Um, women tend to be the ones who manage the budget. They tend to be the ones who can foresee that they need help. They tend to be the ones that reach out and ask for help. Um, they're more willing to admit that they don't understand what's going on. Um, there's two times I've learned that there's two different times in, in a woman's life when she inherits wealth. First is when her parents pass away. And the second is when her husband passes away. Because most likely the wife is the one who's going to inherit um, inherit the family fortune, we'll say. So um, I think that it, it puts me in a really unique position to be able to have those relationships and, and connect with women. Um, a lot of times there's a lot of shame around money, unfortunately, because either a woman has either one, not invested enough or not saved enough out of her own income, whether it's because she's making less, whether it's because her career has been second to raising children, second to her husband's. Um, so many times they come later in life and they're concerned because they've gotten divorced and they don't have enough money saved up to be able to retire or they have helped um, other family members, whether it's their parents, children, uh, a spouse, and um, they haven't saved they haven't saved enough in order to be able to retire. And so um, they're many times they're very upset, they're concerned, they're shameful, they're embarrassed, and they don't know where to start. So um, I think that's where, fortunately for me, I have a background in social welfare, so I can kind of understand and relate how that, uh, how that feels and to be able to handle it um, very carefully. So I think it gives me a, um, an advantage. Um, Annie, when, you know, someone comes in like that with shame around money, because I think that's so prevalent, what do you kind of say to them to help them work through that? I think the first thing is just to understand what's happened um, and to let them tell their story. Uh, many times it's not because they made the choice. It, many times it's not because they said, I don't want to save money. Um, a lot of times it has to do with the fact that um, they've had to cash out a 401k. Um, you know, maybe they've had to go through a divorce and hire an attorney. Maybe they've been in a, a bad relationship and they needed to leave. Maybe um, they had an, a sick child or a sick parent or a sick spouse, um, you know, a lot of times it's beyond whatever the reason is, is it's beyond money and they've had to get either out of a situation or they've had to um, uh, become independent and maybe not had the income source to be able to save as much as they want, want to. 
Uh, many times too, I think that women don't foresee what potentially could happen. Um, and so uh, maybe a husband is doing the full uh, 401k contribution while a wife isn't doing anything, or there may be a stay-at-home mom and she doesn't have any retirement built up. Um, many times women don't see their value, and so they don't see the financial figure behind their value. And um, and and so that happens more often than not. Um, even married, even some of my clients who are married couples, it can be very imbalanced, and the husband will have a lot more retirement savings than the wife. So I don't think it's intentional by any means. Uh, most of the times it's not intentional, but um, you know things happen that we don't always foresee, and a divorce can really cause um, cause that upset, and a woman can be left with with next to nothing. So um, unfortunately, I see that a lot. You know, one thing that that I think, and this is just me personally speaking, and and you all correct me if I'm wrong, but women wear so many hats. You know, they're, they're normally their family CFO and they're running every which direction. But then when, when they go to speak to a financial advisor, they find it so intimidating, they would just rather not. And so that's why I'm so happy to see more females becoming financial advisors, because I think that it'll get more women clients that are willing to just go out and, and to speak and to get the education that they need so that they can help for their own retirement or their finances. Absolutely. I completely agree. And I think that um, women have an easier time talking to women. And, you know, there's plenty of male financial advisors out there that are great. Uh, but I think sometimes there's just that understanding, especially as, as being a parent, that, um, that that makes a big difference when women open up to other women. You know, and my my managing advisor, Tim, is he's great. And he's one of the, the sweetest person that, that I know. However, he can be sitting across from a female client and that client will look to me sometimes for just the reassurance. And he's the Mm -hmm. one with the 15 years of experience and knows exactly what he's doing. But she wants me to go, he's telling you the truth and everything's okay. And so sometimes we find that just having another female that they can talk to, just it just makes a difference. I agree. Yes. Okay, Annie, what is your favorite part about being a financial advisor? Oh, that's a great question. Um, My favorite thing is when people come in and they feel overwhelmed, they don't know what questions to ask, they don't even, they'll even bring in a statement and they don't even know what they're looking at. And being able to take something that can be very complicated and simplify it, not dumb it down, but simplify it and make it where... um, they understand what's going on or what type of account they have or what type of investments they have or what they need to do with that account. Um, You know, so many times people come in and they're like, I don't know what to do with this. And it might be an inheritance. It might be a retirement account. It might be they have a, you know, debt that they need to figure out how to start paying it off. And just taking a step back and being able to just simplify it and make it more clear on a goal and help them make baby steps to be able to get to the point where they feel like they have more control over their own financial picture is my favorite part. And, and when people walk out and they go, wow, that, that you made that a lot easier, or I feel a lot better, or I'm nearly as concerned about this anymore. Um, that's the most rewarding. Yeah. I think my favorite part is um, the, the clients that are just looking for help. They don't have it all figured out. 
And so we get to come in and be just kind of like the fixer of it and, yes. and to put some of this knowledge that we have to use. <laughs> exactly. It's fun. It's really fun. Okay. So we know that you're very involved in your local community. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. Um, I'm very passionate about education. I came from a family, a long line of multi-generation of teachers and professors and education was always um, the first and foremost important priority to my parents when raising my sister and myself. And so I still feel that way. I consider myself a lifelong learner. I like to read. I like to learn more and um, always try to better myself. So for me, education is a big passion. So I serve on a couple of boards here in town. One of them is the uh, local Boys and Girls Club board. I am the chair of the Major Gifts Committee. Um, I also serve on our Lawrence Schools Foundation. We have one of the few foundations that is uh, independent from the school. And so we uh, we are tasked with raising funds to be able to support some of the, the students here in town who don't have means to get to school, who don't have means to um, you know get dressed, have housing, transportation, uh, many different things that uh, we help support. So I serve as a trustee on that board. And um, I am the PTO to my, or the treasurer to the PTO of my kiddos elementary school. So that one's always fun. You get to learn the inner workings of the financial side of the school. So for better or for worse on that. Um, and I do serve on a couple of other committees here, uh, not education-based. Uh, we have a Douglas County Estate Planning uh, Committee. And so I'm the secretary there. And I also serve as the uh, membership chair of uh, Douglas County Connection, which is a networking group here in town. So, so I do. I love getting involved in my community. Huh? You stay really busy. I'm not understanding how you can be on all of that in two boys and a financial advisor. It just seems like it's probably go, go, go. I, I got, I need to stay busy. It's good for me. <laughs> I, I, I understand that. I'm the exact same, same way. So if you could give advice to your 20-year-old self, what would it be? I would say to start saving even a little bit, even a little bit. Um, you know, with my younger clients, when they come in and they don't know where to start or they don't, they say, I don't have any money. So yes, you do. We can find something. And even if it's something small, $25 a month, getting into the behavior of saving it doesn't matter how much it is. It's the behavior. And um, I would have told myself at 25 that it needs to be a part of your budget and it needs to be something that you do early, even if it's small. Um, I wish I would have done more of that when I was younger. I always thought I needed to save so much money or hundreds of dollars every month or thousands of dollars every year. And it's just not even the truth. You just got to save a little bit and make it part of your budget. Absolutely. That is, that is some advice that I wish someone would have just really sat down with me in my 20s and explained that a little bit better. Yep, I agree. So what would you tell people considering this career path? Um, I would say the first thing you need to do is find somebody that's willing and wanting to support and help you grow. Um, I've run across the, um, too many people in this industry that... Uh, aren't supportive um, and in many times are building their own business and want an admin and um, make sure that if you want to be an admin, be an admin. But if you don't want to be an admin, you need to find somebody who's going to support you as an advisor. 
because they're two mm-hmm. different roles. And um, if you want to be an advisor and you want to build your own book and build your own career, find somebody that wants to also help you do that. And um, because you, you've got to have that support. So right. that's something that took me a couple of rounds to figure out. But once I found um, Aaron Feldmeyer, who's the owner of Feldmeyer Financial, he has supported me through um, growing my book, through my um, CFP designation. He has been um, been the biggest support through all of this. And um, if you can find somebody that's willing to do that, you'll be fine. Okay, and what do you think is the most important tip you can give someone that is thinking about investing? Uh, stick with it. Stick with it. Put your money in there and leave it alone. <laughs> don't watch the market every day. Don't take it out when it gets scary. Put it in there and leave it in there. And um, find somebody that can help you understand how investing works. It's not complicated if you put it in the right place and just leave it alone. <laughs> right. So. You might want to also tell your clients that we can see in client works how many times or how frequently they log in. And the reason I know this is because my financial advisor, which is my managing advisor, told me to quit. I need to quit looking at my account because I was looking at it daily. So I told him I'm done looking at it daily. Well, guess what? I wasn't. He was still keeping track with like how often I was checking. So that that's some that's some really good advice. And and you can take on your clients that way too. That is awesome. I agree, right? When they look at it every single day, it's not helpful. Whether it's good or bad, even on good days, don't look at it every day. Right, right. Okay, so <laughs> the last question, which I was going to ask you a holiday question because we're right here. We just passed Thanksgiving and we're coming up on Christmas. But I'm going to pivot because you're you're in Lawrence, Kansas. So we're going to talk sports. So Jayhawks. <laughs> were the national NCAA men's basketball champions last year, correct? They were, yes. Okay. So what are you expecting out of them this upcoming year? Another championship. Is that what I have to say? (laughs) (laughs) All right. It's it's really, it's cool growing up here in in Lawrence. Um, I think sometimes we overlook how, how, um, how famous the basketball team is. Um, and it's funny because every once in a while when somebody who doesn't live here will ask me, do you go to the games? As if it's like this most, you know, magical thing. And um, and it really is. I mean, Allen Fieldhouse is one of the coolest places in, on the planet. And uh, when you go in there, you can just feel the energy. So um, it is really neat to grow up here and to be a part of KU basketball. It's, it's fantastic. We have the uh, original rules of basketball are here and um, getting to see those and and know that they're in our hometown. It's very special. So it's a very neat place. And um, last April, this town went crazy and it was a lot of fun. I imagine. It was very, very neat. So I'm, I'm proud to be a part of that. Well, if Kansas makes it to the finals again, we'll be cheering on and thinking of you. Very cool. Very cool. Unless unless they're playing one of our teams. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> unless they're playing the Razorbacks, and then I'll be calling those hogs. <laughs> yeah, or, or the Buckeyes. Awesome. Well, thanks, Holly, for interviewing. You did an excellent job. And we hope that you enjoyed today's podcast with Annie and learned something new. 
If you're ready to begin working with a financial advisor, please reach out to one of us via social media. Also, be sure to subscribe to our Spotify to listen to future podcast episodes and check out our YouTube page for more content. Thanks. Our disclosure statement. I'm Holly Henry with River Valley Wealth Management. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA and SIPC. I'm Larry Elovitz with Redwood Financial Group. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA slash SIPC. I'm Elise Levy with Legacy Wealth Planning, securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC, investment advice offered through Legacy Wealth Planning, a registered investment advisor and separate entity from LPL Financial. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision.